So it sounds like St. John the Baptist is finished with his ministry. We know that he was the precursor, the forerunner of the Messiah. He did his task of announcing the Messiah. He preached the baptism of repentance to prepare our hearts. Now he's arrested and detained. So this is really a signal then for the time of Jesus to begin. The Son of God now can start his ministry. And he clearly signals that it's time for him to begin. We notice that he leaves his hometown. He says that a prophet is not respected in his own native place. So he goes to a new place to begin his ministry. And it shows also that he's starting something new. He's making a clean break. It's also worth pointing out what has been the life of God's people all these centuries up until the time of Christ. They knew that they had been living in the darkness of sin. They notice also from their history that things go from bad to worse. They continue to turn away from God. Their mindset is that they're awaiting the consolation of Israel. They know they're awaiting a Savior. They know that they're awaiting some light into the darkness. And it's interesting, this place that Jesus goes to start his ministry is a town called Capernaum on the Sea of Galilee. And that name Capernaum means place of consolation or land of comfort in the midst of sorrow. So we see that major theme happening that Jesus is going to bring light into the darkness. We see that happening in these readings. We see it happening through his ministry. And yes, there is a clean break, but... We also know that there's a great continuity. The Lord continues what St. John the Baptist has already begun. We know that St. John the Baptist preached that baptism of repentance, and Jesus picks up where he leaves off, because his first words for his ministry today are, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So have we repented? We might say, What is repentance, Father? What's that word even mean? Well, the word repent means to turn back. It's an invitation for us to turn away from the things that are bad for me and to turn toward God. And of course, the normal way that we do that is to have a regular confession. That's a place where we know that we've turned away from sin and that we've turned toward God. We've asked to be reconciled with him and with everyone else in communion with him, his church. And that's good for ourselves. It's good for our loved ones. So just like parents do all sorts of things that are good for their children... A very important thing for them is to bring their children to confession and show that excellent example because it's such a spiritual benefit to receive that sacrament regularly. But of course, even though it's a spiritual benefit, we're in a broken humanity and we are prone to sin. Sometimes we don't do what is good for us. We do the opposite of what is good for us in that brokenness. And because of that, the church knows our brokenness and the church has given us a minimal precept inviting us to receive the sacrament at least once a year. Not inviting, but it's more of a mandate. Anyway, how minimal is the minimal precept anyway? St. John, St. John Paul II, when he was Pope, he pondered over this, this minimal precept, and he invited us to, to do a monthly confession. And he, he asked questions like, can I really remember what I did 11 months ago? Can I really remember where I failed 10 months ago? And of course we can't in our brokenness. And we're really good at telling ourselves, I'm okay, I've been fine, I'm a good person, so that's all I need to do. But then St. John Paul II invites us into this beautiful relationship with the Lord through a regular confession, receiving the grace more often, having a clean soul more often. 
and really having a, a more of an opportunity to examine our consciences. So when I heard about this, I took him up on his advice. I started doing the monthly confession. It's been huge in its spiritual benefits for me. So we talk about this prayer of repentance happening because of that, because of that preparation for confession, because of that examination of conscience. What does that look like? An examination of conscience can oftentimes be rolling through the Ten Commandments. We roll through them in our minds in a, in a, in a prayerful setting and, and invite the Lord to show us where we might have failed, where He can fix what we have broken. So I'm just going to roll through the first three, and we'll see how it becomes a very full and engaging process. We might ask ourselves, beginning, is my relationship with God more important than this or that sports team, or this or that sport which I play or which I watch? Is my relationship with God more important than my job? Is my relationship with God more important than human relationships? And this should be a, a hint for us. The Lord never detracts from our human relationships, but enhances them. When we have the right relationship with Him, all our other relationships fall into place and are properly ordered. And then we continue. Have I caused scandal by something I said or something I did? Have I had thoughts of curse instead of thoughts of blessing? Even for that person in, the, in traffic that cut me off three months ago when I was mad then. Have I blown off Sunday Mass? Have I treated it as it truly is, the foundation for my life? Having that relationship with the Lord Jesus himself. Have I taken the time to prepare and show up on time, or have I even left early? How do I respond to Jesus' invitation when he says, I have greatly desired to share this Passover with you? Have I accepted his invitation and taken it seriously as it is that foundation for my life? One reason among many, if we do the complete blow-off of Sunday Mass, of course, that's a grave sin, and one reason of many is because of that invitation that the Lord has for us. And if we want to learn more about repentance, there's all sorts of ways we can do that. We have these pamphlets in, in not only our hallway, but in the hallways of every church in the world, inviting us to examine our consciences and receive a good confession. Also, there's things like the Form series. There's a there's a unformed.org which we which all parishioners are invited to use. There's that series called Forgiven that explains the beauty of the sacrament of penance. But then getting back to our gospel today, we notice how the gospel fulfills that prophecy of Isaiah, and it runs throughout the readings today. It shows that really Jesus is the ideal king. David's kingdom at first began to fall with these two, these two tribes of Zebulun and Naphtali. So then now Jesus establishes his new ministry in this land of Zebulun and Naphtali near Capernaum, where he begins to rebuild exactly where the, 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 the kingdom of David started to fall apart. So they would have noticed that this is a very important thing, very significant. Then we also notice as his role of king, he starts to select his followers. He goes to the Sea of Galilee and finds those four first disciples who become apostles later. And that's an interesting detail when, the, when St. Matthew tells us that he met James and John, how it doesn't, it doesn't say that he asked them right away to be fishers of men, but it says they were mending their nets. Isn't that an important detail that St. Matthew gives us? Because they were not ready to cast their nets, they had to do some mending first. Isn't that a, re a reminder for us that the Christian life is a life of formation, a life of prayer, a life of practicing the virtues, a life of complete striving to be like Christ, even though when we fail, we know we fail, and we try again. We accept His grace, 
and we, we continue to strive to be like him. So we notice then this pattern of call and follow. We're called to follow the Lord Jesus, and then as we are formed, we also become those who can call others to follow Jesus as well, becoming those fishers of men, not just among other Christians, but out into the world, into the marketplace, into our own families, our own circles of friends, not staying enclosed on ourselves, but inviting all to know him. So we can be those ones who are called and invite others to follow. And as we do that, we notice that we are helping to bring about the kingdom, the kingdom that the Lord Jesus refreshes anew. And it's a kingdom that is really the kingdom that he embodies. The kingdom is a person, the person of Jesus Christ. And we're invited to enter into that kingdom. So we have this perfect starting place today where he makes himself present to us, becomes our spiritual nourishment, that we might be well fortified to go out into the world that is hostile to his message and show, show the world that it is a loving message that brings great joy in this life and the next.